Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. Uh, today for a special edition, uh, Mark Lazarus isn't with me, but I've replaced them with uh, two two better people, maybe. Uh, today we have uh, Daryl Belfry and, and Patrick Kane, and, and we're going to discuss uh, a book that I helped Daryl write, uh, his his book about his journey and, and, and development of hockey and, and everything else. And it's, it's certainly been a bit of a journey for us, Daryl, where I I believe you DM me about five years ago um, saying, would you ever be interested in, in doing a book? And it, and it was a bit of a journey for us to get there, but we're, here we are five years later. And uh, now here we are with a book that comes out this week. Yeah, it was like, to me, it was, it was like one of those impromptu things where we, I was, I was thinking about it at that time. There were people that were asking me, you know, questions just about my journey. Cause it's obviously pretty unlikely and, and really like, a lot of different things and a really windy path to get here so there's been a lot of people asking me like you know how did you do how did you do it like how did you get there and it's like it's not really like a a one word you know a one sentence answer and so I thought going through it and there's been so many people that have helped me along the way and so many breaks I caught and so many great players that I've, I've had a chance to work with that have really helped me along the way so I was like it's really not really about like it's my journey, but there've been so many people that have contributed to it. So I felt like it would be cool to just tell the whole story with a lot of different uh, telling how, how those people really helped and what impact they had. The, the way that you, I, I guess if we, a little bit 
pulling back the curtain was that you recorded, uh, you know, the chapters and I'd listen to them. And, and actually last summer, and Patrick, you probably have this a little bit where I actually, I had Daryl's, you know, voice in my head for an entire summer because I'd walk around the city and, and Daryl, Daryl, you know, I wanted to hear it and understand it before I, I kind of edited and worked it. But um, I, you know, I, for, for this conversation, I certainly wanted to have it more of a discussion be, between you two and just a long relationship you guys have had. And, and, and Patrick obviously did the forward of the book and, and kind of your experiences with Daryl. But um, I, I certainly had Daryl's head in my in my voice and, or his voice in my head for so long. And I imagine as a player, uh, it, it's something over the years, too, that you can probably relate to. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think uh, probably the same thing just from listening to those segment videos where, you know, every, every three games or um, it was five games for a while, but I think we've been doing three games the past uh, three or four years. Um, every three games, I'll send you like a 12 to 15 minute video and just kind of break down those three games and uh, some of the numbers that he kind of talks about in his book that he's looking for um, sequence possessions, uh, um, puck touches, um, uh, positive percentage play, things like that, that he kind of explains in his book really well um, that you're looking for on a, a game-to-game basis. He comes up with those numbers for you. And um, uh, like I said, it's, it's 12, 15 minutes, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it really helps. And um, just to kind of get you thinking differently, um, I remember there was a situation maybe a couple of years ago where I was, for some reason, I was shooting everything, everything high. And he noticed it in one of my sequences and I came down um, next game. He said, I want you to shoot block or low your first shot. And no joke. I remember the game it was against the Islanders. I, it, was, it was a game I actually had my 800th point, but um, this was the first of three that night. And it was like a minute into the game. I get the puck on the right side. It wasn't like a blistering shot or anything, just a shot right off, uh, right, like a foot off the ice blocker side. And it goes in the net and it's just like things like that just make it worth it so much for you as a player that you're doing the extra work and you're working with someone like Daryl, who's not only so knowledgeable about hockey, but so knowledgeable about my game and the way that I play. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of examples like that, but that was just one that kind of stuck out to me because it happened so quick and, you know, right away I'm into the game, you score a goal, all of a sudden you're feeling good and, and you're off. And uh, I think I ended up with three that night. And like I said, I had my 800th point on my, on my, on my third point. So, um, just things like that make it worth it. Um, but um, it's been a long-standing relationship ever since I was probably eight years old, eight or nine years old. Um, and uh, you know, here I am turning 32 this month. So it's been uh, it's been a lot of work over the years, but it's all been worth it. Yeah, it's just it's funny how it how it all started in like the the first few years. And you know, I talk a lot about it in the book because. Like I was genuinely a kid teaching kids. Like I, I really, I was just throwing stuff against the wall and, you know, we had Bud who I know, you know, is so close to you and so close to all the kids. I mean, that was really his thing was he just got so close to everybody and his job really, he took it on. Like it wasn't really his job. He just took it on was to, to try to teach me how to teach. And so there was so many like side conversations we'd be having about, you know, how to challenge certain kids or how to, how to do different things. And so, you know, at first, like I was just like a complete raving lunatic on the ice, you know, cause he was like, Daryl, you have to have presence. You have to have energy. You got to have enthusiasm. I'm like, 
how do I do that? And he's like, well, you gotta, you gotta drive the energy. So I just always wondered like what that must've been like to see, like when, when I was like, when I was there doing it, it felt so out of character for me. Cause I'm not really, that's not really who I am. Um, but I just became this person. And so I always wondered what that was like when you were going through, like what, what was life for you? Well, I think to, to be honest with you, that was one of the reasons you started coming up. Like, I mean, I'm eight, nine years old and all of a sudden you start hearing about this hockey in Canada and we knew that hockey is probably better in Canada and you're coming up to these, these practices because we heard of a guy like you who has so much passion and so much knowledge about the game and his practice were practices were like no one else's. So, you know, you get there and all of a sudden, like, you don't realize how intense it is till you're out there your first couple of times and you're stopping the drill and you're yelling at the players and you're throwing your stick in the crowd. And, um, you know, all of a sudden it makes you, um, more engaged in the practice, even as a, a nine and 10 year old kid, which is probably pretty tough to do at that age to be that engaged into a practice. And, you know, from reading your book, you talk about that was out of character for you. That was something where you were trying to get uh, um, the players to pass a sweat test and you wanted it to have an up-tempo practice. And um, there was really no one that could run a practice like you, right? I mean, that was just um, – it was just known around our area. I know you were in Canada. We were – a lot of us were from Buffalo, but it was only like – I don't know, 15, 20 minutes from my house to come over the border and, and skate in Fort Erie or, or Ridgeway um, at Leisureplex there. And, uh, um, but just, yeah, just a lot of good memories. I think, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed was the Sunday mornings at Ridgeway. You'd have the younger kids at 7 a.m. or, yeah, 7 a.m. to 8.30. I would skate with them. And then you'd have the kids my age, 8.30 to – 10 I would skate with them and then I would skate 10 to 11 30 with the older kids and then I would drive back home and listen to the Bills game on on uh, on the radio so um but I was on the ice for you know four and a half hours and just knowing you're getting better skating with the younger kids you talk about that how like Nathan Horton started at the back of the line and he'd work his way up through the line to try and like stick handling in and out of players like those are cool stories for me to hear because I I you know, I was, I was that kid when I was like 12 years old, I was asking for Nate Horton's stick because I knew he was going to be in the NHL and I knew he was going to be an unreal player. And I think that's what drew a lot of attention too, is that Nathan trusted you so much and he was skating with you all the time. And we realized this is the best kid we've seen within our age group. He might've been like two or three years older than me, but he was skating with you. He was getting better. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of kids my age, the 88 birth year from Buffalo started coming up to, to skate with you because he had so much trust in you. And we saw the results he was getting from skating with you. So, um, but yeah, you were, uh, you were pretty crazy. I mean, it was, uh, <laughs> I think it, it always kept the kids on edge, but it was in a good way. You know, it was like, you're intense. You have to be focused. If you messed up the drill, like you're going to hear it, you're going to get in trouble. And everyone, everyone got in trouble, no matter if you were, best player out there or, or just in the middle of the pack or whatever it was you know if someone messed up you gave it to him and that's just the way it was I remember uh like I don't think people realize how good Nathan was when he was yeah. when he was young like I, that's like a whole other like pad podcast of how good that kid was how much 
far superior he was than everybody. And you're right. Like he would come, but the best part was he was the best player in the area at his age group, but he was also the best player like at the age group up. And he was just, so it was so hard to challenge him. He was an 85 or an 86. 80, he was an 85. Right. Okay. So in that, that era in his, his, like he's from Dunville, but he played in Welland when I first met him and, the age group above that, 84, was like Daniel Paye and Daniel Girardi. And, like, they had four or five guys that went on to play in the National Hockey League. And then his age group also was very good. But he was really the best player in both those age groups. And, uh, and, it, and it was just incredible. And so the interesting part was when I first started, so, like, just – he was like – he was like the first guy that I had to, I, I had to push and learn how to kind of, like, find new things for and so then by the time a couple of years came after that, when your group, the 88 group came up, which became the next flagship, I was all, I was much better. Yeah. Like I knew more about it and I had messed around with a few things and, and Nathan obviously was, was elite. So then when you came, it was different because Nathan was physically so gifted. He was, right. you know, he was 12 years old. He was six foot, 175 pounds, could move like a cat. And, and when you came up, your gifts were so much different. Like you're so, it was all so much in the mind, very cerebral, very space oriented. And, and so I remember Bud telling me like, you got to, like, this kid's different. Like you're going to have to be very different with him than you were with Horton. And you're going to, you're going to really have to grow. But I remember Bud saying in one of the practices, I'm like, look at this practice. Like we, we would do these like assembly line drills where you just go and go and go. It's a lot of timing. This guy, you jump out, you make a play, you move to this line, you jump out, you make another play, move to that line. And I remember standing beside Bud one practice with your group. And I said to him like, wow, look at these kids. Like it's unbelievable how well they're passing. Yeah. Like next pass, stop it and skate them. Anything that's missed. If it misses a pass, stop it and skate them. I'm like, but, but it's going so good. Yeah. He's like, just do it. Sure enough, kid goes up, misses the pass. I blow the whistle, stop. Okay, that's it. This is terrible. You guys are awful. Like, you can't play, play like that. We got to be better. In my mind, I'm like, this is like one of the best times we've done it. Yeah. And Bud's like, that's the time you got to push him. Yeah. So he's like, watch what happens. So I go, you guys, next miss pass, and we're skating. So sure enough, we go back in the line and the passes were just like on point. And he's like, I know you're happy. I know you're happy with where this is going, but you have to push these kids and where you're at right now, this is the only way you can push it until you get more skills. You can't push it any other way, but you got to push it. So this is how you have to do it. But he used to like skate by me and say stuff in my ear, like, you think this is good right now? I'm like, oh yeah, it's great. He's like, you need to like mix it up, like yeah. throw throw a curve at these kids, do something different. Yeah, and that that was so huge for me to kind of learn like little timing pieces, were were so cool. Do you want to give a quick uh, explainer who Bud was? I hope hopefully everyone reads the book and explain, you know, gets to know him. But just uh, just for who who he was. Yeah, there. like Bud was basically like an impromptu mentor. Like he saw me. Um, when, when I was around the rink and I was, I was really different. Like my practices as Patty say, were very different. And it was get I was getting a lot of grief in my hometown. Like, it was like, who is this kid? Like, we need to get rid of him. Like, what does he know? And you got to remember, but back then I could hardly skate too. Like it was, I did still, I was trying to teach myself to skate and Bud was around the ranks and he kept hearing, like, we got to get rid of this kid. Like he's got to go. 
And he's like, ah, he does stuff. Like I've been around the game my whole life and he does stuff different. I think where he's going to stay. So I'm going to, so he came to me and he's like, listen, you see all these people here? They all want you out of here. I think I'm the only one that wants you here. And I'm going to put a build a bubble around you. I don't want you talking to no parents, no nothing. I will do all of that but I need you to be able to do what you do. And he says, I'm going to teach you how to teach and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you in this bubble. And that's what he did. And if he didn't do that, I don't know what would have happened. Um, but he, he, he was like, I'm going to, you're going to need this for like six, like a couple months and then it'll all go away. And he stayed with me for like 15 years. Like it was incredible. Like uh, never asked for a dollar, just kept coming. And, and he's like, you know, you, you're going to, you're going to be able to do something. But, and that was at a time when nobody, you couldn't find anybody that would say, you know, this Daryl, he's like, he's on to something. Most of the people like this Daryl, like he must be on something. Like it was like, he's so different. He does things so weird. Like, like, what is he doing? You know? And, and Bud was like, I think I need to protect this. And the rest is history. Like I said, he stayed with me for 15 years. He was like coaching all Pat, like when Patty was growing up, like he would coach with us and, and he was like, just this guy that would, he was the glue. Like he was the glue that put it together because I was learning and the kids were learning and he kind of brought it together. I thought he was like, like, it's funny when, when you read the book, like you says, you say that he was your mentor and like as, as a player, we never really knew that, you know, we just thought he was like an assistant coach. Right. Like we thought he was just someone helping out. And like you said there, I mean, he was, he was hilarious. Like he'd, he'd run us through these workouts and you know, they would, he would have like the kids that were out of shape. They'd be like crying and whining by the end of the the workouts. Like he was just so fun. Like he was just trying to get as much as he could out of every kid um, while making the practices and the time you were there fun. Right. Like a lot of laughs with them. Uh, Oh yeah. We had, we had, he used to do this thing. Like if, if, uh, you had one hand on your stick, you'd come around and slash your stick out of your hands. And you'd say, well, you got it. You got to hold on to your stick tighter. And then, you know, we started getting him back. And I think one day we were actually having a really bad practice or it was after maybe it, maybe a tournament we lost or something. And Bud came up to me, he goes, Keener, go get Daryl, go get Daryl right now. And you're sitting there with one hand on your stick. <laughs> I slash your stick out of your hands and you were just not happy at all. You know, you just gave me the look like that was not the right time to do that. You know? When we're spending 11 years old and like, like back then, I mean, making Daryl happy or making Daryl smile or laugh or anything. That was like the world to us as kids, you know, because we, we just appreciated him so much and we looked up to him so much. So when he would give you a look like that, you'd be like, Oh, what what did I just do? Like, did, did I really just do that? And you're just like heartbroken and you're looking at Ben Bud's like laughing in the corner. Oh yeah. Like glove over his face laughing, but. Those are, those are good memories. Well, it's interesting the backstory on that. The backstory on that was he came up to me afterwards and he is like, how comfortable is Patrick to know this moment, <laughs> to take that moment? He's like, I told him, like, go and do it. And he's like, no, I can't do that. He's like, go, go, do it. Yeah. He's like, I just wanted to see how comfortable he would be. And then he's like, your reaction, Daryl, was everything. He's like, I was dying. Because this was like the two of you just like coming together. It was like, yeah. it was just wild to hear him. He would set those things up all the time. It was always something where he was trying to like create these like moments, right? Like breakthrough moments. And that was, that's a good example of one of them where he just like, 
urge you to do something at a time where I'm like losing it. And, and just, he's like, how, like that courage to go and do that. Like, is that courage or is that just a kid being comfortable? Like he, he trusted me that, you know, this was the right time. And then of course he gets there and it's like, knocks a stick out of your hand and your reaction. He's like, he's like, that's, that's what it's all about, Daryl. Like, like that builds a relationship, you know? And we would talk for hours about all the little things. And then afterwards, I'm like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I do before. I'm like, oh, okay. But he would never tell me beforehand. Yeah. It was always after. It was like, go through the experience pure. And then we'll talk about it yeah. after. It was wild. Right. And, um, you know, the thing I really appreciated back then was, well, probably not as much back then as I do now, but like, as, as a younger hockey player, like my dad was tough on me. But then once I started coming up and skating with you guys, it was like you kind of took over that role and you became really tough on me, right? Whether it was mm-hmm. like you're skating around the cross the crossovers, like doing the circle over speed and you're, you know, slashing, slashing the hand, slashing the stick. So it's like uncomfortable for you to handle the puck. Um, I remember one time I was going to be playing in a tournament on – uh, I, I don't remember where it was, but it was like on the next day of Friday and I came up to skate with you on Thursday, like the night before, just to kind of get ready for the tournament. And, you know, you think it's going to be a good skate and a kid by the name of Mark Zarbo was out there who was an 86th yes. birth year and two years older than me. And you put him up against me the whole practice and you just like, you just like kicked my ass, you know, like the whole practice. And it was just like, you'd have those situations where you'd bring someone up, but then like once they're up there, you'd bring them back down, you know? And I remember skating that day and I was just like so worn out, so beat up after like this kid just like took it to me all practice. And I go to my tournament the next day and I just dominate that tournament, you know? So it was like things like that. You don't realize and appreciate in the moment, but then you look back and you realize like maybe he was doing these things for, for certain reasons just to, kind of bring you up and bring you down and make you a better player and a little bit tougher that way, you know, as a hockey player. Speaking of that, uh, I know there's one game I know that he sat you, Pat, uh, after scoring a goal. What do you uh, what do you remember about some of that tough love? Yeah, so, um, you know, this was, uh, this was something for me as a kid. Like, I was – I always got the puck and I would just skate through the other team and dig the goalie and score. And then once we started playing with the playmakers and play, playing against better competition, I was able to do that a little bit. But, you know, not nearly as much as I was at, like, a triple-A level or, or a house league level. So I was trying it all game, and it wasn't working. And he said, Kaner, you know, if you do that again, you're going you're gonna to sit down on the bench. Like, you're not going to play the rest of the game. So I didn't try it for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, the team was up, like, 5-1 to one or something. We had an amazing team, like, best kids from Fort Erie, best kids from Buffalo, like, just a, just a great team. And – so I'm like, you know what, I, I got to get on the score sheet here. I got to score one. So I I deked through the, the team. I go in, I deked the goalie and score. Didn't pass it to anyone. So he comes up to me on the bench. He's like, Kane, that was, that was a hell of a goal, great goal. But you're sitting on the bench the rest of the game. And, you know, I just scored. I couldn't believe it. Like, <laughs> like why would I sit on the bench? I just scored a goal for the team. But that was just another part of, the, like, the, the process, right? Like the teaching process of – you got to use your teammates. You got to give the puck and get it back. And you know what? That situation, no joke, I think really attributed to like my hockey sense and my vision because from that point on, I would maybe beat one or two guys, look for a guy backdoor for an open net, or I'd 
give it to a guy and then get around my check and get the puck back and then have a, my breakaway or my chance, you know, at that age. So, um, and I really think after that, my, my vision and, and my, my, uh, playmaking skills developed because of like a, that, that tough love situation. It was like, Bud and I used to talk about you all the time because like you didn't have a shot that you could shoot from distance because the old Sherwood wasn't exactly going to bend too far. So Patty literally would stick handle the puck across the goal line, like, or you would get like right on the goal line. And then for an extra touch, he would put it under the bar, like up in the roof. Right. So I remember like, I say, I would say to Bud, I'm like, you know, we got to do something with him, like where he can get, like, feel like he could get the puck back. Like it feels like if he doesn't, if he moves it, he just doesn't have the trust in the teammate. Like he always knows he could probably make a better play than the guy who he's passing to. And even though we have good players, there's still like, it's still separated. And I just remember Bud and I going through it. Like, what can we do? What can we do? And, I, he's like, you just got to tell him like he, you have to make it an absolute. You're either moving the puck or you're not playing. That's just, just, there's no other way about it. And, and he's like, you're the only one that can do it because you have his ear. And so you just tell him beforehand so that you can see what happens. And then if he, if he doesn't want to do it, then we got to, we got to find a way. But I remember that. And then after that, we started talking about, it wasn't thought, wasn't long after that, that we moved Bennett from D to forward and said, you know, put him on the back door, go get him, go get pucks for Patty, but create some space, but you bet and try to, and try to make it a challenge to turn Eric Bennett into a goal scorer, send him to the net. And, and there was a lot of that. And then that, a lot of that started to come, like you started to do those sorts of things and, you know, it was, it, it became more of a challenge and yeah, the ice vision started to come. Yeah. had great ice vision because the first step to ice vision is being able to see space. And so you could, you always knew where the open space was. You just didn't want to put the puck there for someone else. Cause you knew you could, you knew you could beat people one-on-one. So it was harder. So it was a really fascinating time. I thought. Yeah. So we were probably what, like 11 around when you maybe moved Bennett up to forward. Yeah, so this kid's like a, a physical like freak at this age. Like he's bigger than everyone, he's faster than everyone, he's stronger than anyone. He's playing defense. So Daryl moves him up to play forward with me, and all of a sudden he became like kind of my protector. But at the same time, every time I would get the puck, he would drive the net, and that became one of my favorite things to do. Is when we started like implementing like the saucer pass or the area pass, uh, space pass, as you would call it, and mm-hmm. I would get the puck and I'd kind of slow down the play and I'd throw these area passes into this kid who was just driving the net hundred miles an hour and he would tap the puck in for a goal. And it was just like, that was a great feeling for me. And that's something I never really experienced for, before at that age, because it was all about like goal scoring and stick handling in and out. So all of a sudden I'm throwing these saucer passes or space passes to this kid and he's tapping them in. And it was like a whole new feeling for me because I never really experienced that before. And now I'm, really enjoying like setting guys up and getting assists and making these open net plays. So, you know, that to to add on to like developing the vision, like throwing Bennett up there um, was another way to add on to it and really bring out the best of that ability. I thought, well, it was also at a time where people were taking liberties with you. Like there was a lot of like, everyone knew who you were 
And so there was a lot of people taking runs. And so Bud was like, the only way I was like, we need to get Bennett out there all the time. How are we going to get him out there? Because at least like, as Eric was the type of kid, like if you, if you wrong somebody, he's going to avenge it right away. Like he's not going to wait. He's going, like, if you hit Patty, he's coming right away. It was like, that's what we want. I mean, I remember Bud telling him like explicitly, like anybody touches him, you need to respond. And so it was a way to kind of make you more comfortable, but then it became like a, and Bud would always describe it. Like you have two kids, one needs one thing and one needs the other one. We want to make, you know, much more comfortable like passing and the, and the other kid needs more puck confidence and one can create something for this. So it's a perfect thing, even though it wasn't always good for our team, but it was really good for you and him. And, you know, it's one of those things where we, we talked a lot about it, like two kids that need two different things. How can we make it so that it, so it ended up working? And that's what, it, that's what it worked out to. It was awesome. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I I felt like there are situations too, like, I don't know if you remember this one, but we were playing for the Playmakers, and I think I was struggling a little bit uh, up on forward, and you moved me back to D for like maybe – if it was a weekend tournament, it might've been like Friday, Saturday or something. Yeah. And I remember going back to D and I'm like, what, like, what am I doing playing D? <clears throat> but all of a sudden I was getting the puck more. I was carrying it up the ice. I think the first game I played D, I had like four goals and our team won four, three. It was like a great feeling. And then like, I think the next game I might've had a goal. And then all of a sudden I was back on forward, you know, like it wasn't yeah. like you were going to keep me on D. It was just something to, kind of like switch it up and maybe you saw something where I wasn't getting the puck enough and all of a sudden I'm controlling the play and bringing it up. Um, I had the puck a lot more and then, you know, I got my confidence back and then boom, I'm back up on forward. You know? So I can tell you about that conversation. So it, what was leading up to that was uh, just seeing the whole play in front of you. Cause so much of the time what was happening was by the time you got the puck, you were the last, you were getting it but it was late in the, like in the neutral zone, like really late. So now you're already in the offensive zone and then you'd be like confronted with a D and then you'd have to problem solve that. And so one of the things that we had talked about was just give them a chance to see things from back. And so like from go on a retreat, cut, dump the puck in, go back, get it, get your head up. You got everything in front of you, all your options in front of you, and then be able to pick things apart. So it was just like almost like a different vantage point to see the game from. 
And then Bob was like, if we flip them back, like just a couple games, like not enough to like, not enough to like aggravate them, but just enough to kind of give them a different perspective. But he's like, I bet you he starts coming back more. And, uh, and it didn't happen right away, but it, it has been something that has kind of evolved where you've kind of come back and, and you like the game also at times where it's where the whole play is in front of you. So it was like just messing around with different ways to get you the puck to try different things. And when they're, when you're young like that, you can do it. And then now, you know, we fast forward and you go through whether it's the OHL or you get the NHL and you start to see these different patterns and different ways. And it's just kind of makes me think back to, some of the early adjustments when, you know, you're not getting the puck enough. So what do we do? Well, one of the first adjustments we go to is always like, well, come back deeper, come back lower, yeah. you know, and you'll do the go behind the D and get the handoff, you know, and now you got the whole play in front of you. It's just so funny how some of those things, they kept going with you and you keep doing it now. Yeah. And I think that started to maybe develop in like 2010 mm-hmm. when you know, we were looking for ways to uh, give me the puck more. And it was really something that no one really ever done. I mean, you saw it on the power play a little bit where teams would use the drop pass. And that was a pretty effective thing for guys like Datsuk and Zetterberg. But five on five, I started implementing it to my game. And I would get those drop passes. And all of a sudden, I'm like coming up with so much speed. And it's, it's really been an effective thing for, you know, still to this day, right? I mean, I think teams defend it a little bit better now. Um, to the point where if I'm coming on the ice and I'm coming behind the D, you know, all of a sudden you hear their bench yelling, Kane, Kane, you know, and they're set up, right. they're set up for that, that uh, um, behind the puck with speed breakup. But yeah. um, it was such a great way for me to get, get pucks and get myself into the game to carry the puck, beat a guy or two, dish it off, get it back, carry it in, curl up, whatever it was, you know. And um, I look back at that part of my game really helping me to evolve as like a guy that can, that can control the, the pace of the game. And that was a play that really helped me with that. I, I know Adam Nicholas, uh, Adam Nicholas likes to compare it to Messi a little bit, how you, uh, you build up speed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just like, we talk about speed behind the puck, right? And it was such a great way for me to not be ahead of the play not get the puck standing still. And even though I'm a winger, like, you know, even when Quinville was a coach, he would say, go back and get the puck. And, you know, usually that's for a center, defenseman, winger, you kind of stretch the zone or you play off the boards. So for me, it was uh, it was a totally different aspect of the game that maybe I did a little bit before that I didn't really know about. But now all of a sudden it became like a conscious decision to go back there and get the puck with speed. And then our defenseman got really good at it. Like dunks would come up, he'd draw a guy to him, he'd drop it back to me. So all of a sudden one guy was beat. I have speed coming up the ice. Those guys are standing still. I really have my my pick of choice of what play I'm going to make. If I'm going to move the puck or if I'm going to skate it in and make a play. And um, more than anything, like it was good for our team. It was good for me to make plays, but it really like helped me get into the game by carrying the puck early in the game and having the puck and like being part of the game instead of just waiting around and standing around and waiting for the next guy to get me the puck. I was like demanding it. I was going to get the puck, and that's something Daryl always. Um, mentioned still to this day was you got to demand the puck. You got to be in certain areas to get the puck. Like if you're not getting the puck, well, you know, yeah, we can blame your teammates, but it's not on them. It's on you to get it. You got to demand it. You got to be in the position to get it. And that was, uh, that was, 
definitely a start of that. Well, when we, when one of the interesting parts with that is um, there was a, there was a stretch, I think from maybe your third, third or fourth year in the league uh, for probably five or six years, where if you had 40 even strength possessions or more, you were going to get a multi-point night. Like the numbers were in the upper 80% that you were going to get a multi-point night if that was the case. And so I was racking my brain all the time. Like, how can we get this guy 40 possessions every night? He's got to get this puck 40 times. How are we going to do that? And so I started tracking as part of our tracking. We're like, how many times does he get it from the D? How many times does he get it from the other D? How many times does he get it from the center? How many times did you get it from the other guy? And so a lot of times where you'd fall out of rhythm, I felt like we just you weren't feeling, you weren't feeling the puck, you weren't getting enough, is because you weren't getting enough pucks from the D. Yeah. I felt like those numbers start, the D numbers, contribution to your overall puck plays would drop. So I was like, how, what's an easy way? How can we get this puck from the D? Well, go back, get a handoff. That's an easy one. And then like almost like, just get into a rhythm because your offense is so much built on that rhythm of the puck. Like you just getting, like you talk about it a lot, like getting it early, get the puck early, make a few plays, get it, get it back. So to try to compound those or that more jump you're going to have, everything's just going to be better. So for me, it was so much of once you've gotten into the league has been, how can we get you the puck more often and, in better spots yeah and that was like the when we started seeing like well what about the second possession the third possession in sequence so they start looking at the game because initially it was like basically bean counting yeah how many and then it was like well, wait a minute what about the sequence like you get it three four times so how does that work and you know to me that that's been the fascinating part and watching you adapt to different ways to get the puck because your game's really evolved yeah i think um well you talk about puck touches and trying to get to 40 i remember i think i was at an all-star game or something and i was talking to uh mckinnon about like working with you and whatnot he's like well how, how many like puck touches does he want you to get a game I said <laughs> yeah. 40 and he's like 40 like he couldn't believe that was a number like that was such like a high number so I remember that but that was pretty funny um and but yeah that's always been the number right is to try and get as much as possible and then you know we feel like if the puck's in my hands then then good things can happen but the sequence thing has been really interesting too because like that's where some of my best shifts have have come in the past whether it was making a play getting it back being in the right spot to get the puck back or getting the puck off a rebound. And there's like, it's crazy how many points come off, like off offensive zone play when you get those sequences and you get a shot and you get it back and you get another shot and another chance. And it's just, um, it's a, it's a really cool thing that I think you've come up with and something I I don't think I would have ever thought about is like getting multiple puck touches and, and sequences and having those opportunities to get like a second and third chance to to score a goal or create a chance for your team. So, um, you know, when that's going on and that's happening in the back of your mind, you know, that like something good's going to come with this. Right. Well, it's just the evolving too. Like I'm trying to, 
I'm spending time trying to figure out like, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next thing for you? Like, what's the thing that's going to matter the most? And so you look at it from, I'm watching the video. Okay. We count it this way. What if we counted it differently? What if we counted it another way? And then, then you stumble upon sequence. It's like, you're just searching and searching and searching and eventually something pops up and then that's a rabbit hole and you start going down that. And then, and then you realize, Holy shit, like he's getting a ton of puck touches in these areas. And when he gets it the third time, like he's by himself, like with an empty net or like the quality of the possession was just so much better. And like, to me, that was always the, the, the most fascinating part and, and, and trying to figure out ways, not only for you to get the puck back, but that it's a good puck that you can attack with. Cause not every puck is, is a good puck that's, that's easy to attack with. So it's trying to, find those ways and you've always been really good at being able to work yourself out of trouble but sometimes you got to work so hard and there's really nothing but if you could get it work a little bit out of trouble move it get to another spot get it back well that next puck is going to be so much better and i think that really changed just a lot of my mindset as it relates to the things that i talk about with you is yeah. like it's not just getting the puck 40 times anymore right it's about like uh, how many times can we get it in these sequences right. because that's where the better pucks are going to come so it's just it's been so interesting like once you've gotten into the league how it's how it's really how it's really evolved and you know there's just so many cool things about that yeah well i like uh, i think another thing that that i really liked just reading the book was that every player is different, right? And you had to, you know, if you skated with me for an hour and you maybe had Tavares or someone coming on after me, that you had to, like, change your mindset for that player. Now that's a cool thing, right? It's not just the same thing for, for every player. And I really enjoyed that about the book, how it's, it's not just like, okay, well, you know, Kane does this, he's successful at this. So let's try this with you. Well, no, you're a different player. You're going to, you're going to be doing something totally different. I have to study your game. I have to, uh, um, you know, you talk about in your book about watching video of the players before you would um, get on the ice with them because you wanted to be as prepared as possible to set those guys up to um, what do you call it? Transfer to game. Yes. The game situations where you can take the, the practice that day and transfer it the next day to game. So I thought that was, that was cool within, uh, within reading the book. Yeah. It's just the mindset of that. It has to, it has to feel authentic. So I can't, even though like I've worked the longest with you and I know so much about your game because I've studied it so much. And there's a lot of pieces of your game that are really would work with other players, of course, but not everything and every and everybody that gets whatever it would would be like some kind of a piece because there's people that'll come to me and it's like man like Keener does this one play like man I'd love to have that in my game and I'm like yeah you would have to express it differently because you're six foot two like you and you have these assets and he's that that these assets so it's different like you can do something similar but not the same and this is how the effect would be so learning over time, not overnight, but over time, how to, how to make those decisions with the player about, yeah, I know you want to add like a delay game. Of course, like there hasn't been a player in the NHL in the top 10 in scoring that hasn't had an elite delay game. So of course you're going to need to add one, but how, like what routes do you take through the neutral zone? Kane's a right shot or sorry, a left shot playing the right side. That entry 
is way different than your entries. You're a centerman that can, you know, you're going to do it differently. So, you know, yeah, you want to have a delay game, but the way you're going to come at it, the routes you're going to take, the skills you're going to use, the the type of way you're going to manipulate defenders is going to be totally different. But yeah, on the surface that we can make your delay game better. And that, that to me has always been good because in order for him to use it, it's got to feel right. And if it feels like something that's totally foreign or like he's trying to be something he's not, then it's of course not going to work. And then his trust level in me is going to plummet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just like thinking ahead of the curve, right? Where it's just, it's not the same thing for, for every player. That's something I enjoyed about the book. Um, you know, just, just your preparation. Like it's, I mean, I know it's been like amazing for me. Um, and we've thought of a lot of different things to do throughout my career, whether it's like getting the puck in sequence or coming behind the puck with speed or, or improving that dual threat option. I think that's when I started to take off in my game when I wasn't like, okay, you know, this guy's going to come in, maybe he'll score 20 or 30 and he's going to have a bunch of assists. Right. It was like, okay, well let's, let's try to get to 40. Let's uh, let's get to 40. And that's going to help your, that's going to help your passing and your your vision and other plays that will open up even more if you became this this dual threat player. And I think that's when when my game really started to take off. I think that was around like maybe 2012, 2013. Um, but just the preparation. I mean, you could tell like like reading that book. It's just very authentic because I can hear your voice when you're talking and like the way you talk. I thought it was really cool. But um, the preparation goes above and beyond when you're talking about how you're getting ready to skate these elite NHL players. Yeah, you know, like, I think one of the things with with the preparation part is to try to know how somebody thinks the game, to get an understanding of what their habits are. I don't think it's, I don't think you can train anybody unless you know how they think. Yeah. Because how do you, because like with you, for example, like you're so much about options. So if I go on the ice with you and I say, hey, I got a skill that I think you should use. I like this skill. I think you could, like, I think this would work for you. Your first question is always going to be, okay, so where, like, what situation? Like, where? Like, where on the ice? What's the situation? How would it work? This and that. That's all, like, how you think. Like, I got to already know that. I better have the answer for that or we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. And so I try to take that approach with every player where it's like, yeah, like, I, I know not only the skill I want to teach you, but I know I know where it would fit in your game. I know what situations you use consistently. Because if I don't know that, I just don't know how you can – so much of the game is cognitive. Yeah. It's, it's all in the mind. And so if you don't connect the mind to the skill, you're done. Right. There's no – it just becomes a skill. It's not connected. And so the player's not going to use it. And I, I've always been – not always, but as I've evolved, I've gotten better, I think, at being mindful of that cognitive, cognitive approach because it's critical. Yeah. What, uh, like, I guess questions for you, like in, in the future for me, like what, what do you, what do you see with my game? What do you, where do you see it going? Um, if you have any thoughts on that, maybe you have to do some, some preparation or some thinking about that, but like, what do you, think what do you about, think about? I think I know I got, how much time, how much time <laughs> do I have? I got, I got, I got a hundred things I'd like yeah. to do. I'd like to do with your game. Of course, <laughs> like, you know, a, a lot of it comes down to, if you're going to be an offensive player in the NHL, you have to, every player's getting studied. So everyone's studying you 
And so every year you got to come back with something different or you're going to lose some diversity or the element of surprise. So it's areas of the game that are like inefficient for you, where you get the puck in a certain area a lot, you create a lot of chances from there, but the success rate is lower than what would normally be the case. So that immediately becomes an area. How can we evolve this? What can we, what can we do? Like, a lot of times it was like, we need to connect the rush to the offensive zone. They can't be separate. So what you're doing off the rush has to be in the offensive zone. You know, how you play with different players. And now, like, I remember, like, just over the last few, like, say, three years or so, you've the players that are coming in, are, they're all, like, these young guys that are coming in. And so how can we leverage their best skills and you working inside their skill set to bring out – to become more effective. So it's not even like what, what you necessarily need to do, like what brand new skill necessarily, your skill now becomes how can you leverage what you do best to pull out and understand someone else's game, like a, a young player's game yeah. to bring out the best in them. And, and figuring out those dynamics, I, I think are, is is an area that I think would be super cool to explore. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's the fun part too. It's like, it's always a work in progress, right? It's like, you're never, you never get to a point where you're just like, all right, this is good. You know, we're, we're happy here. No. It's like, there's always, there's always something to improve on, always something to build upon. And I think that's something I really enjoyed about working with you is it's just like, there's really no satisfaction. We're, we're I think we're both on the, understanding where we can be happy and maybe appreciate things, but there's, there's really a never satisfied attitude. Well, I remember when we started talking about you, the, I forget what year it was, but you were leading the league in scoring and then you got hurt. Yeah. And okay. 20, 20. Either, I think it might've been, uh, it was either 2014 or 2015. I think both years I got hurt. I was right up there. Yeah. So the one it was right. This one was right just after Christmas was January and you were leading the league in scoring and you had played with a lot, like a different in that, in that year, you played with a lot of different went forwards. Like there was a different center and a different, you didn't have that set line. And that was, uh, that year was so eye opening to me because I'm like, this guy, he can produce with all these types of players and find his way on the score sheet and be able to utilize these players in different ways. And you weren't really like changing your game necessarily, but there were certain things that you were doing to make it work, find your way. And that was eye opening because I felt like because you were able to be so adaptable, like there's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be 40 goals here. There's a, there's a scoring title to be won here. But, but I looked at it and it was like, nobody is winning a scoring title unless they score 40 goals. Like it just isn't happening. So I was like, you have to find that those 40 uh, to be able to, to be able to accomplish that. And that year really was illuminating to me so much because it was like, you could do it with a bunch of different guys. You can make, make it work with different players and I just thought, you know, you don't need the deck stacked necessarily in your favor to make it work. Although it's nicer. I mean, obviously when we had like Panarin and that, and, and that, that was unbelievable that run, but it was the years before that I thought were really illuminating. It gave me so much confidence, like 
that you could really take this to a completely different levels. And it was like on, I took it more of a challenge, like, okay, like if he can be this adaptable, how much more adaptable could he be? Like, what else can we do here? Yeah, for sure. I think that's something we've always kind of prided ourselves in, right? It's just no matter who I'm playing with or what the situation is, what the team we have is, it's like, you know, you're always counting on yourself to produce, and that's just, that's just the way it's got to be. There's there's no excuses or or anything about it. So that's always always been fun. Is always trying to work and navigate new ways to to produce with different players. I mean, I played with a lot of players throughout the years, and so be it. But that's just uh, that's just another way that it's been fun to kind of read your mind and and uh, see what you're thinking through a lot of these different things. That part has always been. There's always a new challenge. There's always something that we can we can start looking at, and you know, like it's it's funny because as skilled as you are and as skilled as you've played and the types of plays that you make that are, you know, there's no one, like there's plays that you make that there's no one else in the world can make those plays. I'm like, there's still things I see like that we can get so much better at, you know, like uh, there's still, a, and I always like have to check myself. Cause I'm like, am I really saying this right now? Like, yeah. like these plays, there's a handful of guys in the world that can play at that level and make those types of plays. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. You know, but, he sauces the puck too much. He should use more hook pads. You know, he could keep the puck flat for the guy who gets it on the other end. You know, maybe that guy can shoot it better. He can control it a little different. He use more space pads, lead guys into space better because we can get you know, it's a, lot, a lot of things like that that are really fascinating where you're like, there's areas where as skilled as you are and have been, I still see so much. Like, it's so cool. No, it's great. It's, it's unreal. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, uh, so, like, back, back to the book, like, like what's, um, you know, I think just talking to you, you said you were, 
super proud of the way the book came out and you're happy that like you got across everything that you, that you said that you needed to say. Um, I guess what's, um, like, what's your proudest thing about the book? Um, proudest thing is that we got it under 600 pages. <laughs> I think that was, that was really good. I mean, barely <laughs> the type of, I, I, I think also like, how easily it flowed like i was really well prepared and we did it all on audio file because i just felt like i felt like i could speak quicker than i could write and if i wrote it i would want to go back and edit it and i'd like lose my train of thought so just like writing it and then it when you say like and of people that have written it or people who have read it who have now like and know me really well when I ask them like what what do you like about the book they're like Daryl it's like I'm listening to you like yeah, it's it's your sure. voice so I think that proudest thing I have is like it's really authentic like when you're reading it that's me like that's it they're not just my words but it's my phrasing it's you know you can hear I think you can feel the energy of me you know when I'm talking and stuff so you know, it's, it says what I want it to say. I feel like it's, it's got the right message for uh, what I want in terms of like trying to, you know, parlay some of my experience with, uh, with player development. But my favorite part is when people say like, yeah. you know, like Scott saying, Oh my God, like, like Daryl's in my head, like the whole time and <laughs> player people that read it will feel like you're, it's a conversation with me. Like that, that's, I, I, Going into it, I felt like that would be the hardest thing to do, convey, because I felt like a lot would get lost in the shot in the in in because w- when you speak and when you write, they're two different things. And so I thought Scott did a brilliant job of trying to take what I was all my run on sentences and discombobulated messaging and stuff and really like put it in a way where it, none of that really got lost. Like when I read it back, I, I feel like I'm it's me. And I, I think that's my favorite part. No, that's great. I mean, I, I, I definitely, there's no doubt in my mind, like that's, that's you, you know, that's you in that book. Okay. And you can just like, when you're reading it, you can hear your voice, you can hear the way you talk and the way you interpret the game. I thought what was cool for me was just kind of looking at like your viewpoint from the other side, because, you know, as a player, you're always thinking about what you're looking at, what your thoughts are, how you feel on the ice. Um, when you're going through drills, kind of what you're thinking and what you're trying to process through Um, and just kind of reading what your thoughts were on how, okay, you're going to build this kid up. You might bring him down a little bit. You're going to see how this drill goes, but you're going to tie everything in together from that practice. It's not just going to be one skill where you're standing still. There's going to be a lot of different, there's going to be three or four different skills in one drill that you're going to put together and you're going to build it up all practice and it's going to be something you're going to be able to use tomorrow. It's not just like we're working on stick handling here, skating, the next drill, shooting the next drill, body checking, angling, whatever it may be. So I thought it was cool to hear your point of view and then also how you, how you view how the player is going through the practice. You know, if he's struggling a little bit, okay, we might do something where we're going to give him a little bit of confidence and, um, something that I know he's good at that he'll pick up quick that he can make it that'll make him feel good about himself or if he's if he's doing really well and he thinks he's um you know 
he thinks he's all that and he's got it all down. Well, I'm going to bring him back a few steps and make him struggle with the next thing. So I thought it was just uh, it was cool to to look at it from from your viewpoint because I'm on the other side and I've never really yeah. thought about that. You know, as especially as a player, whether it's practice or video or whatever, I thought it was just cool to look at it from uh, from your point of view. Well, nothing nothing was ever random. Yeah, right? we weren't exactly. just trying stuff, right? Right. Like we were always really well planned out. And, and sometimes it didn't execute really well, but it, it, was, it was planned out. It was well-researched and I knew what I wanted to do before I got there. And then it was like, can I execute? Then the quicker, like the better I got, it was like a carpenter, you know, like the great carpenter, every carpenter makes mistakes, but the best carpenter, like he can cover his mistakes brilliantly. Right. And so I, I tried to become like a really good carpenter where I was like, I go down a path and then I'd be like, Oh boy, like I might've bit off more than I can chew here. Like I better pull this around, but I don't want the player to feel like we failed or like he wasn't able to execute. Like I got to be able to figure how, figure out how to make this, how to make this work. So he feels good, feels a sense of accomplishment and I can pull this out of him, you know? And uh, those were the tougher skills, but knowing the athlete, to me is everything that that's what makes it so much easier because the more work you do on that side, the easier it is to know when you get into those tight spots where, you know, this could go, this session could go one way or the other. And it's up to me. Now, the next thing we do is going to either pull it up or push it right further down. What are you going to do? There's a moment of truth that comes in. And if you're good, like to me, I was always like, I need to push, especially like NHL players where you only have small amount of time. Like, yeah, is you got six ice sessions that's it like you got to make an, a lasting impact i don't have a lot of time to be to be messing around and making poor choices so i feel like the research has been has been everything and thank god for video where i could really like dive into it yeah i think another thing i liked was um just how you like you always put it on yourself right it's on you to make that player get something out of that session or become better when he's working with you because you know as a player that's how you view it like that's how I view it right like yes. okay um you know I'm working with Daryl I gotta take advantage of this time out here with him because he's the best in the world he's the best in the business so I'm out here with him for a reason and I gotta get better today because I have this opportunity to be with him and you take that same approach um working with the best players in the world and that's not something I guess you would I, I would really think of because it was like you know, as, as a skills coach, it's like, okay, maybe this guy could do it. Maybe this guy can't, but it was like your, your point of view is no matter who the player is, I'm, I'm going to put it on myself to make sure he gets better on this ice session or in this situation. And I thought that was really cool to, to read about. I'm always the read I'm, I'm directing. So if it goes, if it doesn't go well, I obviously made a mistake. I miss made a miscalculation somewhere and that that to me is is it's really important to have that and it's a way to kind of add pressure like you guys you guys are under pressure a lot and so i need to be under the same i need to feel that pressure right to be to like he needs to get this and you got to figure it out and i love putting myself in that spot where you know pressure is on you no different than him only the only difference is when i'm doing it it's shut off to the world not in front of a million people that have to watch that pressure, but it's still, I need that. Like that's it. There's a juice there. That's that gets me, you know, like 
that's if that's the real life for me like where i'm i'm doing i'm feeling at the top of my game is when we're in there and things start to roll and then i'm have the courage to say yeah it's going really good let's let's create a problem here let's create a problem see if we can solve that problem then we get to the end and we solve that problem like i'm bouncing out of the rink like i had a hat trick <laughs> and for me for, I, I think this is going to be kind of the player development bible but for in 10 years i feel like you can write another one of these where you you know knowing you over these last five years daryl like you you know i i think even just talking to you and knowing you like there's this need and want to, to continue to evolve and I know you've said the phrasing kind of continue to reinvent yourself and something that I've almost, you know, thought of as a writer too, that you kind of want to just expand and develop. And, and even five years ago when we talked about this book, I don't know if the book could have been what it is now where some of this stuff has just expanded and evolved. And I, I guess that's the interesting part too, is that just, this is part of the journey. It's not even the full journey where in five, 10 years, you know, thoughts and ideas on player development can just be so much further along. Well, just, what we know about player development from where it was 10 years ago to what it was five years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, it was like, Daryl, you're skating with Pat Kane. Like what the hell could you possibly be teaching this guy? Like he's an NHL superstar. Like what could you like, I don't understand. Like what could you possibly do to help him? And so we go from that to, okay, well, maybe it is possible that you guys can work together and you know, he can benefit from that. And then it's like, okay, so then where do we go? Like, where does that go next? And then you get the next group of players who none of that's a consideration. Like they come in with complete assumption that I can help them. So now there's a whole pressure of like, okay, like they know they've been through player development. They believe in it. They believe that their talent can be influenced. So now what, how are you going to influence it? What are you going to do? And then now we go to, okay, well, there's a mental side to this that we've always done. We've always connected, but I don't know that as an industry player development industry, it's still very, it's still very isolated. There's a lot of isolated skill work that's going on that doesn't connect the skill to the mind. So that to me is, is a huge area of opportunity. I speak to it a little bit in the book, but it's, to me, that's the next frontier of being able to do that effectively, be able to build the physical skills while connecting it with the mind at the same time for kids and everybody all the way up. That's really the next frontier for sure. I think you look at like uh, just those camps we have, you know, those, those, uh, those Belfry oh. hockey camps, like in the summer for four or five days, whatever it is. And you're seeing the, the, the talent and the, more elite player is coming down better and better every year, right? Like we're getting better. Yes. And, you know, obviously that's amazing. It's great five days to get ready for, for the start of the season. Um, I think it's going to be really fun to see what you do with guys like Matthews. And, and I, I mean, Matthews is already so special. Um, but I think a guy like Barzell, who I think is a kid that could like, possibly lead this league in scoring one day the way he plays and, and controls the puck. I think it's going to be fun to see what he can do. Um, I know you're going to have a big hand in, in helping those guys. I thought it was also amazing how you, um, you, you know, you obviously had the camp for the NHL players, but you also had the camp for, for the women as well right mm -hmm. after us. So it was cool to kind of, you know, sit around. I think they came in on our last day or second last day and just kind of watched them and, um, see what you're running them through. So I thought that was amazing as well and, and, and helping 
helping the females out and trying to uh, um, get in there as well. So um, those camps are always fun. So many talented players. Like that was the thing too. It's like so many talented players and each one of them thinks a different way. And, and then you, you get the female players and then they are incredibly talented themselves, but they have a different viewpoint as well. That is so valuable to be, try to understand, you know, and um, to me, there's just so much of that still on the table available to, to, to do it. And, and, you know, when we bring do the camps, it's great because we can kind of connect it all together we get a bunch of players that think differently, but they're like world-class athletes. Like you say, the talent is incredible. So the learning that's done for me is just it's through the roof. Like it's so such a condensed time for me to really gather so much Intel from all these guys of just the way they move and how they think and yeah. the conversations that they want to have, what they're interested in. Like you don't get a chance to see that. And so, you know, to have them there and have them in that, you know, sharing position. That's the part that amazes me, just how willing everyone is to share with each other, you know, and, and the benefits that everybody gets because of that. And that mindset is just, it's incredible. Yeah. I, I think about, um, you know, you have the best players in the world and we're running like two on four and three on four drills and guys are like we talk about bringing guys down to bring them up. Yes. Like guys are breaking their sticks. Guys are so mad. Like guys yes. are frustrated. They can't make a play. Like three on four or two on four. It's just like so frustrating. It's it's a summer camp. It's not even like the regular season guys. Just <laughs> yeah. But then all of a sudden you go three on three or like full ice or whatever we do four on four, and there's just so yeah. many plays being made, and it's just like it's yeah. it's really smart. So I guess that's another another example. Yes. It's been like, again, like trying to find different ways to challenge the top 1%. It's a, it's a fascinating process and to try to like, how can we challenge them? How can we make this week worthwhile? How can we get the most out of it? Like when you think about it from that perspective, then you better come up with stuff that's out of the, like you're going to have to come up with stuff that's out of the box, but not gimmicky at the same time. It's got to be real world that's challenging, but yet, you know, then once you take it and you make it even that it's going to have a positive effect. And at the end of the week, you want people leaving that week going, man, I feel fantastic. I feel, feel great. I feel like my timing's on. I feel, you know, that's what, that's what it's for. So you know, to, again, it's the same idea, you know, put them in a bad spot, make them work out of it. And then all of a sudden it opens up and everybody's moving and everybody's doing well. You know, that is, that's the goal. Pat, did you have anything, was there anything else that stuck in your book? Like one last thing about that stuck out to you that was interesting that you didn't know about me? Cause this is all about me. For <laughs> so I want to hear one, one more thing before I let you go. I, re I really enjoyed the the Horton stuff. I mean, because because I could like I could resonate with that. I could. I remember going on the ice and seeing how good he was. I enjoyed that stuff. I enjoyed the part where uh, um, you said you had all these practices drawn up and all your drills drawn up in different colors, but you forgot the board the one day, and it turned out to be one of your better practices. And then all of a sudden, you you didn't need the the uh, the board and the drills anymore. You just kind of went with your field of practice I thought that was pretty cool how you kind of you know I think that's sometimes as a player you do that too you want to be so perfect and like 
have everything dialed in and so like feeling great but there's so much to the game that's just about feel and you can't you can't really have that like you can't have that perfect mindset right like even you say in the book we want to be 80 percent on certain plays so okay you, you have two chances to fail but if you fail on one of those well the law of ad- averages is going to you know figure itself out and you're going to make eight positive plays in- instead of uh or eight positive plays out of ten and and only mess up on two of them so I thought that was cool, but the board story was cool. How uh, you know now you don't even need it anymore, right? Like um, you just kind of go off your field. I remember that in practice too. How you would have like your your drawing on the board was so perfect all the time, and you you had the different color pens going on, and it was, yeah. it was pretty cool. But um, that's cool that you just go off the field now. You know, it's 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 trying to trying to evolve in a way where whatever like the pest is or like the problem, like when a problem arises, I used to be so much like, Oh my God, this is a problem. And then that has to be fixed and not consider that this may be an opportunity to grow in someone. And I think players sometimes get in that too, where it's like, yeah, you make a mistake here. You know, your first play of the game, you get it. It's a turnover and then that's it. And now like you don't want to make that play again, you know, like you get gunshot. I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I'm not on, you know? And so not considering that there's other things. And, you know, I, I look at it now, like every ice session, you know, yeah, it's hockey. Yeah. It's done in the rank. Yeah. There's pucks there's stick. Everything's kind of the same, but it's, it's like a fingerprint. Every time you go on, every finger looks like a finger, except when you look at the real details, every print is different. And that's like, that's no different than a play. Yeah. A play is a fingerprint that can, every time you come out of the zone, it's a, looks like a breakout. You call it a breakout cause it's kind of that way, but things are different. The, the defenseman that you're going against the first time is, you know, a smooth skating six foot two defenseman. The next guy you go against is a small guy who's playing his offside. The next time you go, you know, they're in a line change. They're all three breakouts, but they're different each time. And when I forgot my, forgot my paper and I, I got out there and I had to make it up as I went along and I had to come up with something. I started to realize like that's real teaching for me because now I got to pay attention to the player. I'm not paying attention to the drill and making sure that it moves the drill. Oh, are they all moving in the like ants, you know, going in the same order and everything? No, like I'm not, now I'm watching like, Oh, like this guy doesn't like making plays on his backhand. I didn't really notice that while I was, you know, focused on the drill. Now I'm focused on the skill inside the drill. Well, that's a fingerprint. That's a fingerprint. That's a deets looking into those details. And yeah, it's a turning drill that anybody across the country would do. But the way I'm doing it now is so has a different detail. that's going to pull something out. It's more individually based. And I think that was the biggest thing I learned about that stuff. And then that transfers into how I see the game. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, I, I like uh, I like the glossary at the end too. I'm, I'm glad you put that in for like all your little wordings and. Yeah, I always make. Sure that was a late addition too. Yeah, make we stuff just, uh, up as we go along. Like always coming up with a different term yeah, to that's great. make it stick in the mind, right? <laughs> uh, Patrick, appreciate you doing this. Thank you.
Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me. It was fun to fun to talk through it. Proud of you, Daryl. I'm glad uh, glad I got a chance to talk to you about it and uh, and be on the podcast for you. But it was a great read. I mean, I was uh, I knew we were doing this podcast, and I figured I had to read the book before, and I read it in like five or six days, so it was a really easy read. And um, yeah, you did a great job. So you should be proud of yourself. Thanks. Well, I appreciate you know you're in that book from the first page through to the end. And, you know, we've been joined at the hip either willingly or not for all these years. And, you know, it's been uh, a hell of a ride with a lot of different pieces that have popped in and out. And so it was great to be able to describe it and share it now. And now we get to talk about it and talk about these, like go back. And because now I found by going back, it's been cool to kind of, see that and then it, it shapes kind of how I want to think going forward, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think another great thing that was kind of done, not through the book, but throughout quarantine is what you're doing with the young kids. I have them on the video sessions and you have them for like oh, yeah. 45 minutes to an hour. And then I came on one time and I'm like learning things from these kids. And, to, you know, it was amazing just to talk hockey with them. And then, you know, I think you had some other NHL on NHL yeah. as well, like Matthews and McKinnon, maybe. We did it. We did it like fourteen times. We had fourteen guys on there over oh, the course really? of time. Wow. Oh yeah, like we did it literally every week. I had Ella and her teammates on there. It was unbelievable. The kids were driving it too, which was my favorite yeah. part. That was it. Was it's such a such a good thing you're doing. I mean, it's uh, it's cool for us, you know, as as a hockey player, as a hockey fan, to like be learning from these kids, right? And uh, just to kind of give back in some way, too, was nice, too. But um, I thought that was really cool, too. thought I'd mention that. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. Scott, anything here? No, no. People can find the book at Amazon and uh, on Triumph. And uh, certainly it'll be out this week. And uh, the full week of athletic coverage for the uh, Belfry Hockey and doing Craig Custis' podcast and all the big book excerpts. And, um, no, Patrick, thanks for doing this. Daryl, uh, anything you want to wrap up with? No, just thanks again, Patrick, to be able to see that, you know, from your perspective, you know, we never would talk like this, you know, cause it's always all about you. And now finally it's about <laughs> me for a change. And so, <laughs> so, uh, so we never get a chance, you know, you never really talk like this. And that's why I was really looking forward to this, to be able to hear your side, you know, your perspective at the time when we're going through it. Cause I, you know, you know, you just don't know how it lands sometimes and and you know i, I just love this i thought this was awesome yeah it was great all right thanks thank you i can help even just a little bit won't you let me try